0: talking about the different stages of a frozen shoulder and how to treat it welcome to the ortho eval pal podcast where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills we hope you enjoy the show and now for your host Paul Markey. Welcome everybody to episode 14 of the Orthoevalpal Podcast. I'm your host Paul Marquis and the first thing I want to do is mention again how crazy this is that we are talking about frozen shoulders for the second episode. And today I wake up at minus five degrees again. Luckily today the sun's out and the wind's not blowing too hard, so it looks like we're going to have a balmy five degrees above zero by the time we're all done. So um, kind of interesting that this pops up at this time. Another thing I want to talk about today is I want to give a a huge thank you to my business partner, David Allen of Dave Allen Graphics. He's the guy who does all the background work here. He puts all the intros and outros to everything for me. He's helped me out with uh, getting set up with our YouTube videos and getting our whole uh, podcast website set up. So, Dave, super big thank you for helping me out. I really appreciate it. You know I don't know much about this technical stuff. So um hope we can keep uh, giving good content to folks and uh, keep doing what we're doing. Another thing I want to mention today, I can't believe this, but today is my 25th year anniversary working for County Physical Therapy as a physical therapist. Um, I I have to thank my boss, Mark Rossingall, and County Physical Therapy for allowing me to basically expand as fast as I want to expand, learn as much as I want to learn, and and I also want to thank them for all the mentorship in the early years of my starting here and my, um, you know, being uh, put into the position of Vice President of Clinical Operations for five clinics and allowing me to open up my own business called Maine Orthopedic Seminars where I gave uh, CME uh, courses around the state of Maine. So I really uh, I really want to thank County Physical Therapy for that and I just can't believe that it's been 25 years and, and reflecting on it, I think the most important thing now in my career is that, you know, number one, I love doing what I do. I want to continue doing this. I, I want to continue to teach people and... I think I really want to help mentor folks, especially young physical therapists, occupational therapists, PAs, FNPs, when it comes to orthopedics, the mentoring is so important because we we don't want to spend a lot of time you know, learning all the little intricacies that you don't learn in school and you don't learn out of a book, um, we can really help give you a lot of shortcuts and uh, that's kind of where I'm going here with uh, Pal, trying to really help uh, make your evaluations much more efficient and effective. So um, that's where I'm at with that. Uh, let's jump into our episode. Today we are going to be talking about the different stages of a frozen shoulder and then I'm going to talk about treating it. How do you manage uh, adhesive capsulitis? I like treating adhesive capsulitis. I think it's something that's very easily easy to identify and also something that's very easy to treat, but can be very difficult on occasion. And there are different factors that contribute to why that can be difficult. So, first thing I'm going to talk about are the three stages. And, and first, you have this acute stage, which usually happens in the first zero to three months. Now, if you look at all the literature out there, people will say that it happens from zero to six months, zero to two months. It really varies amongst the uh, the literature. This can usually progressively come on in the first stage, that freezing stage we call it, uh, and and what happens is that shoulder becomes acutely inflamed. Most oftentimes in adhesive capsulitis it comes on on its own because you're diabetic or maybe have a thyroid problem, Uh, but there uh, are episodes sometimes where people have an acute trauma to the arm and it becomes inflamed and then the whole capsule becomes inflamed and it becomes acutely painful. So you're limited mostly by pain early on. Okay. Second stage Is where you still have quite a bit of discomfort but you're starting to develop a tightening of the shoulder okay so the collagen fibers are becoming adhered they're getting a little bit tighter so not only are you being restricted by pain but you're being restricted by soft tissue tightness so that is kind of that stage we see that you know in my opinion I we see that between two and four months Uh, some people will say it goes up to nine months but I more commonly see that in in the two to four or five month range Um, And then the third stage is the thawing stage. And so this is where people have much less uh, sign of acute inflammation and and biopsies and studies have shown that there's really no acute inflammatory process that is happening in this third stage. It's more of a collagen stiffness, tightness uh, that's, that's bound down. And this is the stage where we can actually, as therapists, push a little bit harder, gain a little more motion, and not re-inflame the shoulder. So, it's important that um, that at this stage we really start to gain motion really nicely. And uh, this is where people are a little bit more comfortable with the pain of stretching rather than the pain of uh, having acute inflam- inflammation. So, how do you treat how do you treat adhesive capsulitis or the frozen shoulder? Well. There are some surgeons out there that have told me that they send people to physical therapy. And if that doesn't work, they send them to physical therapy. If that doesn't work, they send them to physical therapy. And as a last resort, they send them to physical therapy. And I've had very good success treating adhesive capsulitis. So I totally agree with that. I think that from beginning to end, we can be very helpful. Now, is there a protocol to follow with people with adhesive capsulitis? Absolutely not. Okay, everybody responds differently. Everybody has a different body type. And some folks might have a different level of inflammation. Diabetes might not be in control or the thyroid may not be in control. They may be perimenopausal. They may have an underlying, um, you know, problem like Dupuytren's contracture that predisposes you to making this worse. So we have to kind of gear this differently for each patient who comes in. First thing I'm going to say though is don't agitate the joint capsule. Don't flare it up. Don't make it more irritated. Don't let it get hot. Um, So I really early on try to go nice and easy with this folks. A gentle progressive gain in range of motion is what we're looking for. As that inflammation settles down, then you can start to progress a little bit more. I'm an advocate of early uh, PREs in the pain-free range, and I would really work on avoiding impingement so I don't do a lot of cross-body motions, and I don't do a lot of repetitive overhead activity. So that is very important. Um, you need to remember this, that people with adhesive capsulitis, they have shown after they're all done with their treatment with adhesive capsulitis, and they're better, typically end up with lower trapezius weakness and serratus anterior weakness. So those are things to kind of take into consideration. I kind of treat that early on. Uh, so there, there's a lot of treatment. I have a, a full one hour presentation on this. If anybody's interested in, in seeing how I like to treat this and, and I can show my techniques and what I like to do, please uh, jump on the website, shoot me a, uh, an email and let me know. And uh, maybe we could do a webinar sometime about uh, how to treat doing uh, the physical therapy treatment and occupational therapy treatment of adhesive capsulitis. So number two, um, injections, corticosteroid injections can be very helpful at adhesive capsulitis, especially early on when they're inflamed. Now, a recent study just came out that showed that injecting the rotator interval is more effective than doing an intra-articular joint injection. And through my experience, I would have to agree with that. I've seen many adhesive capsulitis patients Many who have had injections a lot intraarticular. those folks don't seem to do as well as those who have a subacromial injection with a, a posterior approach. It floods that area, it decreases the area's inflammation and the painful uh, bursa rotator cuff and uh, you know some of the uh, proximal bicep tendon. So I think that's a, a much more effective injection. Other research out there has shown that Injections alone don't do so well. PT alone doesn't do as well as PT and injections uh, together. So it's not uncommon for um, a patient to undergo an injection in the course of uh, having their uh, treatment. I also like to give patients a two to three day rest after their injection just to let the medication do its thing and let that shoulder settle down and tell them don't do any uh, rigorous activity, no overhead activity, nothing that causes impingement. Number three. Manipulation under anesthesia. Now, I know there are a lot of physicians out there that say this is barbaric, and, I, and I've seen a lot of patients who have had manipulation under anesthesia, and really, if, if they think it's barbaric, it's because they've never had a, uh, an adhesive capsulitis, and they've never had to have treatment for it, and they've never had to undergo the pain of an adhesive capsulitis. These things are super painful. And really, when they do the manipulation under anesthesia, the patient's under anesthesia. So, you know, really, the doctors look like rock stars because the patient comes out of it with better range of motion and typically less pain, and the physical therapist is the one who has to do all the range of motion and, and cause the discomfort while the patient is awake. So, uh, manipulation under anesthesia, there are risks to doing it, the risk of fracture and, and, and other problems. Uh, you need to do them on the right people. You shouldn't be doing them on osteoporotic patients and people who have you know, high risk of fracture. Uh, but I have seen people with manipulation under anesthesia and they progress a lot faster than most, especially when we can really gain that motion. Uh, one of the things I do with manipulation under anesthesia is I see these patients five days a week for two weeks and I put them on a very stringent home exercise program to stretch uh, four to five times a day. I try to avoid too much impingement. If they have a lot of impingement, we try to work around that. But other than that, uh, these patients do uh, generally better than most other types of manipulations, such as knee manipulations and ankle manipulations and those types of things. So uh, I am an advocate of uh, manipulation under anesthesia, especially if a patient is um, plateauing with therapies. They're not showing improvement with injection and uh, they're just really flat-lined it there, and, uh, and I think it's uh, very helpful. Next, number four, uh, arthroscopic lysis of adhesions. That's something where uh, an orthopedic surgeon takes a scope, goes into the shoulder and and really starts to break down those adhesions, uh, physically break them down uh, with a scope. These folks do really well and these folks need to uh, wake up and uh, really start therapy uh, as soon as possible afterwards because really, once they've gained the motion, it's easier to keep it than it is to lose it and try to get it back, okay? Number five, hydroplasty. Now, I know that uh, there's nobody in Northern Maine doing hydroplasty at this time. I've never seen a patient after having hydroplasty. And basically what they're doing here is um, injecting a high amount of fluid preceded by a lidocaine injection, a high amount of saline solution inside the joint capsule, distending it and stretching it out. And um, there have been some reports of this being effective. I actually have seen um, some reports where they do this right in the office, in the family medicine uh, office. So uh, I don't know much about it. Uh, I'm definitely looking more into it. Right now, I haven't seen it in my area, but uh, it may be a a treatment that uh, can be helpful also. And then number six, leave it alone. Research has shown that if you leave a frozen shoulder alone, it will get better. Now, it could take a year to two years to get better, and typically, the pain level decreases, and this is what I have seen, the pain level decreases, but they don't always maximize their motion. So they'll have limited motion on one side, versus the other and so my problem with that is that inappropriate shoulder motion and inappropriate kinematics cause things like superior migration of the humerus, early erosion of the superior glenoid rim and uh, labrum, and causes impingement, rotator cuff tear, and all these uh, different types of problems. With inappropriate motion, you develop early arthritis in the shoulder, and that becomes a long-term problem. So I am a stickler with, uh, with optimizing range of motion. If the patient is you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, I really optimize it. Now, if somebody comes in and they're really stiff and tight and they're 80 years old, If they are functional and can take care of themselves and they're not having a lot of pain, I'm happy with that. So um, that is my quick take on treating adhesive capsulitis. Like I said, if you want me to do a webinar on this, uh, shoot out an email to uh, our our OrthoEvalPal uh, website and uh, leave a note, leave your uh, email address. I'll see what I can do about getting that out to you. The other thing that uh, you need to look at is take a peek if you haven't already seen our YouTube video on adhesive capsulitis. We have a guy who's got a great adhesive capsulitis there and I uh, talked talk you through the evaluation of that. And I also have two mystery shoulder diagnoses come up. Just like the last mystery knee diagnoses, we had a lot of fun with that. Um, This lady has two different shoulder problems but with several years in between both shoulder problems it's really interesting. So I'm going to post both of those um, through our uh, newsletter. So if you want to get that make sure that you sign up uh, at uh, orthovalpal.com in our uh, get in touch page and I will get that out to you. One of those I also have a video answer to it and then on the last one if you give me a response i will let you know if you're right or wrong and uh, answer any questions you might have so thanks for hanging out with me and um can't wait to uh, talk to you in the next podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show for some more awesome content go to orthoevalpal.com can't wait to see you there